everyone. Thanks for joining us today. This is IIM and our podcast covers various topics related to early stage investing. My name is Lydia Kincaid and I'm the managing director and I also have Lee Harris with us. He's our managing member. Um, today we're going to talk about a topic that we get asked a lot here in the community and from founders. Um, what our thought is on relationships, um, specifically that relationship between the founder and investors. When does it start? What's the right thing to do? What's the right cadence? All, all that sort of stuff that comes into play in culting a relationship. And I mean, I would say to start things off, Lee, you and I were just talking, the relationship really starts before the founder is even raising money a lot of times. Sometimes we'll get a warm introduction to a company or a person specifically um, that maybe one of our colleagues would like us to meet and get to know. Um, and so even one of those informal meetings, whether it's a coffee meeting or a phone call or just something not a pitch, something that's, that's a little bit more casual, that still is a great way for a founder to start off on the right foot with an investor. Um, there's a lot of ways that we can help founders, even if we're not a good investment fit. Um, and so that first impression really means a lot um, in building that relationship. You want to take that a little bit further, Lee? Yeah, sure. The 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 operative uh, word, of course, is relationship, but that's juxtapositioned against transaction. Uh, you know, it's important that founders think relationship-wise as opposed to transactionally. And it's so easy when you're looking to raise money uh, and it's all about how many checks can I get and can I achieve the the, the number I'm looking for, and then I'm going to move on and I'm going to, uh, to operate my company and build my business. And, you know, that's all fine and good, but uh, every contact should be viewed as a relationship, not as a potential transaction. Transaction is, is, is a result of a relationship, I think. And uh, if, if you go into it with the, the mindset that I want to build the relationship not for the purpose of, of achieving a transaction, but uh, you know, I, I can serve relationships and that goes both ways. We as, as investors serve our relationships with the founders beyond just writing a check, that's the transaction. And likewise, uh, a, a founder can uh, look at the relationship with investor beyond just a transaction. Uh, we want to help our founders uh, and, and make sure that they are on the right road to success. And we want to be more than just a check. And so to get there, uh, and, and have that kind of, of relationship, I think you have to, to set the mind, uh, differently than a lot of people do. And that's, uh, move away from this whole notion of transaction, um, and, and, and make it truly a, a partnership, a relationship. Right. I mean, and there are several companies in our portfolio, Lee, that I had been talking with a year or more before they even came to pitch in front of our investor group. Um, so we were building our relationship over time um, and I got to see their progress. I got to see kind of the ins and outs of their business. And that all came into our evaluation process to finally bring them in front of our investor group and, and get to an investment. Um, and even I would say, you know, there's a couple companies that we have invested in that our whole group said no to the first time, but those founders kept in touch, kept us updated on their progress. Um, and I really like to see that as well. I usually will ask founders at the end of a conversation, like I'll say I'm really interested, but the timing isn't right. 
if that's the case for us to invest, uh, but please keep me in the loop on your progress. And what, what I really like to see, this could be different for every investor, but I like to see quarterly reports um, at least at a high level, updating on really meaningful progress. So were they able to bring in more customers? Have they increased their revenue? Have they surpassed some regulatory hurdle that was really important in our risk mitigation thought process? Um, so I think consistency and also meaningful information. Like we don't need to know everything that's been going on day to day in the company, but really taking the time to put something together for your stakeholders, whether that's investors and potential investors, customers, whoever, um, that's going to keep your company top of mind um, with the community. I just, I think that's, that's really important and a good way to set the tone for what an investment relationship might look like as well. Um, Cause typically when I see thoughtful reports or updates from founders that continues um, after we make an investment. And if it fits the opposite, it tends to be the opposite. And we kind of have to stretch and pull to get information from some of these companies, even the ones that we've invested in. Um, and that I think can be a really dangerous path to take, um, kind of losing touch with your investors or not providing regular updates. Cause then we start to feel like we're out of the loop about things. Um, and we're wondering for better or worse, what's going on with the company. And I don't know how many of our companies have raised follow-on funding, almost all of them. But I think that conversation is a lot easier when we already know what's going on with the company. Again, for better or worse, maybe they've had some struggles and they need help um, to make it through a tough time, or maybe they've had a lot of success and really need more fuel to to continue growing really quickly. Um, We can get to a yes, investment decision a lot more quickly if we already have information on hand. Um, And you've seen that as well, Lee. Right. And I would say that, tell us the truth. Tell tell, whether it's as a prospective investor or an existing investor, just tell us the truth. Something I, the quarterly report idea is dynamite. I mean, and every contact you as a founder make with potential investors they ought to be on your list to get a quarterly report absolutely every single quarter, even if it seems like the information is scant to report or there's not a lot of progress, put that report out there, get, get in the habit of doing that. <clears throat> now, one of the, the, the things that I think would be very helpful, and we hardly ever see this in quarterly reports, is a here's what's working and here's what's not working. Uh, that kind of candor is... It really builds credibility. So uh, it also shows that you're not trying to gloss over uh, problems and issues and challenges. And if you say uh, this particular, uh, we're having this particular issue with the product, or we're having this particular issue with marketing, there may be people that raise their hand and say, we can help you with that. Uh, and again, that's part of the whole relationship notion. If you just tell me, you know, all the beautiful, wonderful things and, you know, you're, you're kissing rainbows and unicorns and all that good stuff. Uh, okay, fine. I like to hear the success, but I know, and you know, Lydia, that, that everything's not always rosy and there's sometimes more challenges than success. And just be honest and truthful and say, here's, here's what works and here's what's not working and here's how, how we're trying to fix what's not working or, or shore it up. So uh, it's a simple thing, but it, that's really important to relationship building. I agree with that for sure. And I, 
actually I've seen in some quarterly reports, a whole section that's called our ask. And so founders will list out different things that they really need help with. Maybe they're looking for U.S.-based manufacturing partners, or maybe they're looking for a clinical advisor. And so they'll be specific with bullets about exactly what they need and why they need it so that we as the investors can even just like copy, paste, send that to our group, send it to contacts, send to people who we know who might be a good fit for what they need. Um, And yeah, like you said, people can raise their hands and we can really help out founders in that way, that that transparency and that honesty um, is really helpful, even though it might be hard for a founder to show um, maybe their weaknesses, if you can call it that, or at least the company's weaknesses. Um, I just, I think that it's really good to be that honest with your Yes, yes. And along those lines, uh, a little case study, uh, we're not going to mention the name of the company, but we recently had a a portfolio company that we thought was doing pretty well uh, that reached out and they're not doing so well. They've been very silent for a very long period of time. uh, And we were very surprised. Surprise is not good in this business generally, unless it's a really positive surprise. But, you know, most of the time, the surprises in this business are not, not good. And here we find out this company is, uh, is struggling uh, more than a little bit. It doesn't look like they'll go out of business, we hope. But uh, we're kind of miffed, frankly, as as investors that we didn't know this. And, uh, you know, the company did not fortunately come back asking for more money to tide them over. Uh, but they needed to extend a convertible note, I believe, uh, uh, not for a terrible long period of time. And we think that there's a strong chance things will work out, but it does not help our relationship with that founder uh, that we haven't heard from them on a regular basis. And particularly that we didn't know they were struggling this way. So uh, this is real world stuff. It happens and it should not happen. I mean, everybody should, should respect the fact that uh, you need to communicate. It's a requirement that we actually have, but, you know, enforcing it, how do you do that? Uh, I mean, we're not going to go uh, get punitive with a founder because we don't get those quarterly reports. But it, it, if, if you're looking for more money at some point, you know, we, we reserve money for follow-on investments uh, in our individual investing and soon to be fund. We will absolutely be reserving uh, funding for those follow-ons. We're much less likely to, to fund a follow-on investment in a, in a company that's not communicating with us and not telling us uh, what's going on and particularly the, the bad with the good. Uh, and just remember, from a transactional standpoint, uh, that's really bad news. If, if the companies that have uh, been, if, in which we or other venture firms have invested, uh, it sends a bad signal when you don't have that follow on. And as a founder, you need to think about why might that be? And if, if you're not communicating, it's pretty basic. You're not going to get that next round probably. That's right. And on the flip side, there's a company in our portfolio that we just invested in a, a very small bridge round recently. I'm sure you can remember who I'm talking about. Um, we've invested in this particular company three times now we invested, um, in a preferred shares round, and then also a bridge round. And now again, a little bit more extension of that bridge round. But that team is one that has given us like 
advance notice and updates all along the way. So, I mean, transactionally, we felt comfortable turning around a pretty nice third investment in that company to help get them get through the next six weeks or so while they're working on a really big deal. But we knew what was going on. They kept us in the loop. They sent us a bunch of information and things were just easier and moved more quickly um, because that relationship was there and it had been there since the beginning. Um, so, so really it's in everyone's benefit to have this relationship ongoing. Transactions follow relationships. I mean, that's really important. If you try to put the transaction first and then build a relationship, it's out of order. We, we all want to build that relationship first. We want to have credibility with each other. And then we're much more inclined to, to follow through with that transaction. And word travels fast. I mean, this investor community is pretty small. And I don't just mean here locally in Kansas City. I mean, regionally and even nationally, especially in the verticals that we're in, um, getting pretty specific in agriculture and animal health and human health to a certain extent too. But when investors at like the series A, series B level are considering making an investment in a company. So, you know, a step beyond IIM. Um, I mean, I can't tell you how many phone calls I've gotten from funds considering investment who are basically doing a reference call on these founders and the companies. And they want to know what our experience has been um, working with these founders. And so I like to be honest, I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus, um, but it, I mean, follow on investors at a larger scale really care um, about what prior investors experiences have been because that helps frame their due diligence report and their outcomes and their expectations for the company as well and also helps them maybe provide coaching for the founders as well if they're going to take a seat or two on the board they know what they're getting themselves into um, that's that's really important to everybody as well yep um, and, you know, another part of this, Lee, we haven't quite touched on is even in our due diligence process, so kind of the middle. We talked about the beginning, first impressions, and we've talked about once the company is in the portfolio. But even in our due diligence process and the presentation time to our group, there's a lot of relationship building that happens there as well. I mean, we talk all the time about founders who are not very responsive and maybe haven't put together their data room yet and weeks and weeks go by and we haven't heard anything. So that, that I think is also part of that relationship building and really setting the stage for what we as investors should expect moving forward. What's your, what's your take on that in the due diligence process? I think that the, the, the best thing that someone can do is to make a commitment mm -hmm. and keep it. I mean, it's really that simple. So if we tell you we need a data room, you need to say, okay, I can have that for you by this date. Is that acceptable? And if we say, yes, that's acceptable, then you do it and don't have it uh, partially populated. Don't uh, uh, miss the deadline. And particularly if you miss the deadline, uh, don't ignore us. Uh, and my gosh, this just keeps happening and happening and happening where, uh, we talk to, to really smart founders that are looking for our money. Uh, we tell them what we need. <clears throat> uh, they understand what our expectation is and they don't deliver and they don't communicate with us. And it's very frustrating and, and, uh, it again, damages the credibility and, and doesn't help build the relationship. So real simple make sure you understand the expectation number one number two 
uh, if you understand the expectation, make sure you deliver on it and that you communicate. Now, if there's a, an issue along the way, that, that'll happen sometimes. And we, we are uh, forgiving. I mean, uh, we understand that people get sick or, or something happens, but let us know before that deadline. So if you tell us by Friday, we're going to have such and such a document and you can't get it, tell us on Tuesday, hey, we're having an issue getting that document. We now believe that we can have that document the following Wednesday. Is that okay? And we'll, of course, we'll be accommodating there, but just to blow by the deadline and not say anything to us and that we have to chase you, uh, that doesn't sit well. Even in our due diligence reports, Lee, we include a SWOT analysis, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And often like lack of responsiveness or absence of data that we've requested can fall into like the weakness category because it is a weakness Um, because if they're treating us like that, we feel like that's probably how their customers are getting treated as well. And that's not a good sign. Um, So I was on this panel that, and I, I forgot who said it, somebody on like the venture side and they gave this advice to founders. They said, you know, anytime you talk to an investor, they're always either writing or typing or like really listening in they are taking notes on everything that you do was his advice to the founder. So it's, it's a lot more than just what the business plan is or what the financials look like. Um, we're trying to understand like who you are as a person, what your traits and tendencies are um, and how this, how this relationship could look five, seven, 10 years down the road, because we know none of these are going to be overnight successes. Um, it just takes a long time um, to work through these and, and for these companies to become successful. Yes. And we are looking at the jockey, uh, the, you as the founder, I'm speaking to the founders in the audience. We're looking at you and your credibility as much as we're looking at your product. Uh, you may have the best product that we've ever seen, but if you're lousy riding that horse, you're not going to get our money and you probably won't get the money from some other investor groups as well. So understand that, that how you present yourself uh, and how we trust you, how well you can build that trust is almost as important, if not more important than the product. There are founders out there that uh, you know we've considered and have invested in that are dynamite founders, their product may not have been as great. We think that they might be able to develop that product, but we want to be an investor with that founder. And if his first deal or her first deal doesn't work out like we hoped, we're still interested in uh, in their next venture uh, because they're just so strong with their communications and their skills and their uh, intellect uh, and their persona. All of that package uh, is important to us. So uh, we, again, we had a a pitch recently uh, in one of our meetings where uh, the the product is enticing. The founder presentation was pretty poor. Uh, And this this individual was not engaging. They were not uh, particularly um, connecting. They didn't connect well with our group. And um, I, if, if it's important in a pitch 
like that uh, to to make sure that uh, your your presentation is is at least average, if not better. If it's inferior, uh, again, your product may be great, but uh, it's going to hurt you. Uh, so if you're not the best presenter in the world, get some help, get some coaching. Uh, and we do coach. I know, Lydia, you do coach uh, many of the founders that are going to be on our pipeline calls and, and then ultimately perhaps pitch in our investor meetings. And I know you coach them about what to do and what not to do and how to uh, organize their pitch deck. And how many times do we see these folks come in and still not pay any attention to your coaching? And then what happens? Uh, that's a that's a big black mark against them uh, because they didn't listen. Yeah, I, I agree with that, Lee, 100%. And there is nothing wrong with somebody else pitching. If you as a CEO are just not a great presenter, listen to feedback for one from people who like your advisors or investors, people who care about your business and care about you. We've seen a lot of times, actually like two people at the front of the room and the CEO is standing right next to maybe the president or the COO. And the CEO is not the one actually doing most of the talking, but they're there to jump in when we're talking about financials or something technical or other pieces of the business that they have that expertise in they're just maybe not the best presenter. And there's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And actually I think shows a lot of self-awareness on behalf of the CEO um, to know what needs to happen in order to move the business forward. Yep. Yeah. The, 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 the thread through all of this, of course, is communicate, 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 communication builds relationships and relationships ultimately result in the transactions that you need. So very well said, Lee. I don't think I have yep. anything to add from there. I think that's a good stopping point. What do you think? I agree. All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Mm-hmm.